Hello and welcome to I Heard It on a Podcast, our little corner of the Wild West. Let's keep that pot of boiling. My name is Riley. <laughs> and my name is Isaiah, and I was disappointed you didn't say Splickety Lit, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll just get into it. Um, that one's for the Patreons only. Yeah, they just you won't even know what we're talking about unless you pay us a dollar a month. <laughs> Which isn't even possible. Nope. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll just have to be in the dark. Um, okay. That's okay. That's okay. We pretty much live in the dark. You might not know this, but we actually record all of the episodes with the lights off. Yes, that's true. I don't like to look at Isaiah <laughs> while we record. <laughs> oh, man. Well, on that note, I was judged today, not just by you, <laughs> but by McDonald's Yeah. Okay. as a corporation. Um, Where? What room do they have to judge people? I don't know. I felt pretty judged. So I typically will pick up food for work for our volunteers on Sunday mornings. That's nice of you. I know. Well, I, it's part of my job, so I don't really have a choice. But oh. nevertheless, I have been going to McDonald's recently because it's super cheap and a lot of food. Sure. Um, and so I found out that the most you can order on the mobile app is 20 sandwiches. If you want to order more There's than 20 sandwiches, you have to call them. And I was like, I'm not going to call people at 530 in the morning. That just sounds miserable. I already don't want to be up at 530 in the morning. And so I'm like, 20 sandwiches is fine. So I put in my 20 sandwich order, but in my opinion, I think I need to start like a rating of people's mobile ordering like software because I'm very opinionated about mobile ordering softwares okay. now because I don't order like by speaking or like in person anymore. I just do all of my ordering for any food ever. So does that mean you have like app. 30 food apps? Yeah. Wow. But iOS 15, you can just delete them off your home screen and pretend they don't exist. So that's great. Um, so anyway... This aside, I hate McDonald's mobile ordering system because the way it's designed is there's not really much convenience to it besides like being able to put all those finicky like customizations on your food. You know, like if you wanted one pickle and like a teaspoon of mustard and only three diced onions, that would be kind of a pain to say. But in the app, you can do that. You can just like put all the notes in and do the customizations and like... That's a big perk of mobile ordering, but the other big perk of mobile ordering most places is like the ability to like order ahead of time, and then when you show up, it's ready, and so you don't have to wait at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and most places will do that; like they'll kind of have the order in, and you can say like when you're on your way or whatever, or they can track your location, and then when you're headed there, they'll start making your food. So when you get there, it's hot and it's ready, and they just give it to you, and you leave, and you don't have to wait in line forever. But McDonald's doesn't do that; they like don't charge you on your order or process your order until you're actually like physically at the restaurant. And so you, when you get to the restaurant, like in the drive through, you have to push, I'm here. And that's when the order like gets sent through. So it's basically as if you were to just order a speaker, which as you might imagine can cause some problems when I put in a 20 breakfast sandwich order at five 30 in the morning on Sunday. Cause I don't think that kind of fits into their like algorithm of what to have ready when. Right. Um, and so typically I am asked to like, pull to a parking spot and wait because they have to like cook all of the sandwiches um which is fine and it's typically been different people like every week i've been there um and last week it was a girl who i had seen who usually works nights and when i like asked for like i told her my mobile order or whatever and she's like okay i'll have your receipt at the window so i pulled around to the window and she's just like standing there like looking at my receipt and she like looks at me and she looks at my receipt again she's like are you gonna eat all this food by yourself and i was like oh yeah haha like totally i'm gonna like just as a joke whatever yeah totally gonna eat it all by myself and she laughed she's like okay she's like give me my receipt and i went and i got my food and i left and so then this morning i went back and she was working again this sunday and 
um, I like pull around to get my receipt from the window and she's like holding her receipt and she like looks at me again, like look, looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, hi, I'm back. And she's like, are you going to eat all this food too? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay, thanks. And then That's I like grab my receipt. The thing is I get hungry right? again. <laughs> and so I just felt so judged because she's like, she has this like incredulous look on her face when I pull around to the window and she just looks at me like I'm this disgusting person who's eating 20 breakfast sandwiches at 5.30. I think you should lean into it and try to convince her in, like, mm. in uh, passively yeah. that you are a competitive eater right. and mm. never confirm or deny the, whether the fact that you are a competitive right. eater. Just say, yeah, I mean, I'm ordering 20 sandwiches yeah. and I'm by myself. You do the math. Gotta prepare. You know? Yeah. 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 The 4th of July is coming up. You yeah. know, that's when we do the hot dog eating... So yeah. I got to prepare somehow. And then like, as I'm leaving the window, I like pull two sandwiches out and like start double fisting them as I'm driving away. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, I could totally play this. Drive off. with your knee. <laughs> 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 so I didn't know that I could feel judged at McDonald's, but it happened. So mm. well, this might be an ongoing I'm sorry story. That happened to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I'll keep you updated next Sunday. McDonald's is only good for like, Four minutes after I, you order it, I put it in the oven. It works. So okay, yeah, I'm not. I was going to say that. Yeah, that's not really a. That's not great. No. Okay. It's the best because before I think we were doing like, uh, uh, like grocery store bagels with cream cheese uh-huh. and orange juice, which is fine, but it's not like amazing, especially if it's the only thing you eat from six a.m. until one. Like it's not that satiating, and it's also not that good. So having like hot proteiny breakfast has been really nice. Nice. But worth the judgment. Okay, well, let's talk about something that I thought was fake until I looked into it, and it's actually a scientific phenomenon, but it sounds like a sci-fi movie. So there is going to be a stratospheric polar vortex this winter. Yeah, sounds terrifying. And we actually had one last year. Some of you might not know this, but the stratospheric polar vortex is what caused those Texas like ice storms and like mega freezes and stuff. So that's happening again this year. <laughs> you have that to look forward to. Climate change is real. It is real. Um, this is supposedly going to be the worst one in 100 years, just like last year was the worst one in 100 years. How would they know that? Well, they can kind of predict they it. They can so see the weather like months in advance? It's not necessarily the weather. So this is different. There's I don't know if you looked at the article that I posted up here. but I did, but I'm not smart enough to understand it. And it's a mile long. It's like you have to scroll literally thousands yeah, I thought of about inches. calling your dad to help understand it. You know, we should probably have him as a guest on the <laughs> podcast sometime. <laughs> that would be fun. Do like a climate change episode. Ooh. Dad, if you're interested, email us. Yeah. Or if anyone else is interested in hearing a climate scientist talk about interesting things. Email us. Yeah. Or maybe we don't care and we'll do it anyway. Um, anyway, so they can, this isn't necessarily weather. It's just like a atmospheric phenomenon. Um, and basically, I'm going to try to simplify as best as I can because I'm also not smart enough to understand this. There are a lot of like graphs and charts and mappings. And I think I got to like the third one and I was like, okay. Yeah, there's I, a picture on here that... When I first looked at it, it mentioned menopause. It's yeah. actually the mesopause, which is a layer of the <laughs> atmosphere, it turns out. Never heard of that. Hmm. But apparently that's around where noct- noctilictant clouds are. So 
<laughs> the more you know. Interesting. It's also where meteors are, apparently. Yeah. Cool. That's that's, that's the where one place where meteors, meteors are. are. <laughs> <laughs> they just go around the earth forever. That's where meteors are. In the menopause. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so basically... Don't think about that too hard. No, just it, science. Okay. Um, so basically, the way this works is there is a large cyclone type thing in the stratosphere over the North Pole when the North Pole starts to cool down. So if you use your imagination here in your in your brain um, and picture the world, picture the globe, and you know that the globe is on an axis, right? Like it's tilted and it's kind of rotating on an axis. And the reason seasons happen is because it kind of wobbles. So in our summer, the North wobbles closer to the sun and in our winter, it wobbles farther away. Um, and so when the globe wobbles farther away on the northern hemisphere, the North Pole cools down. And that cooling down kind of causes a pressure differential on the globe, which causes um, air on the northern hemisphere to kind of push and swirl and make this kind of cyclone. Um, and so like the name says, it's in the stratosphere. So this isn't like weather on Earth that's like affecting us. The stratosphere is what like 30 kilometers. I think it goes from 20 to yeah, so it's like 15 to 55, it looks okay. like. So it's really high. It's higher than like pretty much any aircraft we have can fly. Um, it's kind of in the range where like weather balloons would go to. Um, and it's also where the ozone layer is. So fun fact, if you want to know where the stratosphere is, it's where the ozone layer is. Well, the other way around. If you want to know where the ozone layer is, it's where the stratosphere is. They're both where they are. Well... The stratosphere is a lot bigger than yes. the ozone layer. One is in the other, hmm. but the other is not in the one. Well, the stratosphere is also in the ozone layer. Just uh, not yeah, fully I contained. Guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so this is a very high up phenomenon. Um, and oversimplified, it's basically kind of like swirling around and it's this very cold, like cooling off intense weather pattern. Um, and in the past, it has been kind of contained by the Gulf Stream um, being fast enough to kind of keep it contained in the North Pole as well as not being as intense because the heating and cooling of the ham or the uh, poles hasn't been as intense in the past. And so now with more intense heating and cooling, that builds up those pressure differentials and it can spread out more. And so we did have a polar vortex last winter, which, like I said, caused all of the craziness in texas and that one had actually split i'm pretty sure and it hit the u.s and it hit europe and so this one's looking the same i don't know how they predict it like so far in advance it must just be like a big enough phenomena that it can be kind of tracked and mapped out into the future um but yeah they're saying it's going to be like the worst one yet and that's kind of crazy because in texas it was pretty bad last year like people died because of the the cold you know mm -hmm. it was the coldest it had been in a long time there was the icing um but also i think we might have talked about this at the time when it happened but a lot of the reason that people died and that the the, th the situation in texas was so bad was because of the systems being ill prepared right. for that right situation like oil lines not being winterized right and things like that. I don't remember all the details. Um, not to minimize it or say that this is normal uh, 
weather behavior. Right. But it's not it's not like this is so cold that people will die just from being right. cold. Like it's normal temperatures in other parts of the world. Right. Um, but the, what you're, I guess, I think what you're saying is the, uh, extent of it and the, the reach of this stratospheric polar vortex is what is abnormal and, yeah. uh, extra intense. Correct. And so it, it's, prepping us for a below average winter temperatures for both North America and Europe. Um, and so will this be like a one-time event? Like that Texas thing was a week maybe, or will this be all winter? Do you it know? generally just means like colder and more intense winters. So there might not be like a catastrophic event like there was in Texas, but generally temperatures will be significantly lower than normal and weather patterns are going to be more like violent. Um, so we probably will have more storms, you know, heavier snowfall, more freezing and like snaps and stuff like that. Um, which like we've had mild winters for a while. And so to me, that sounds fun, but Colorado is a place that's prepared for it, you know? Right. And there's other places that aren't like Texas. Wouldn't you know it didn't give a crap and didn't prepare any of their infrastructure. So (laughs) Have fun with right. part two, Texas. <laughs> there was all that. I also, I'm remembering now the whole, like, their grid is completely separate yeah. from the rest of the country. Uh-huh. That whole thing. Yeah, that's not ideal. Um, maybe maybe this time they'll be right. Right. Maybe the rest of the country will shut down and they'll be fine. Yes. Who knows? <laughs> it's not likely, but maybe. Oh, so man. I'm seeing some pictures of basically, like, the North Pole side the North Pole half of the globe. Do you know what I mean yes. by that? Um, are these, I'm trying to figure out, these are projections of like just the, of the future. Like this one is of September 27th, 2021. That right. I'm looking at. And so they are predicting not that far in the future. Right. So that, like that's weather that I understand can right. be predicted. But they are also trying to they're assuming that this will be the case for like months in the future right as well and i think it's just the fact that if it's still building now it's going to cause it no matter what so i don't know if it's so much predicting a polar vortex is you know going to happen as much as it's like happening now and it's going to cause you know so and so effects this winter so I don't think they're necessarily predicting like, oh, ice storms in February of this year. But they're kind of thinking it's a stronger possibility that we're going to have ice storms because of this polar vortex that's mm. happening. And it's going to cause, you know, such and such and such to happen, um, which I can I can get. I mean, sure, it, it makes sense. So, yeah, I don't know. I on one hand, I'm like, it's going to be a good ski season, which I'm all for. Um, but on the other hand, hopefully it doesn't you know, kill anybody or... Yeah, hopefully we as a society can learn from the past. (laughs) And (laughs) that's a big hope just in general for our whole wide world. Yes. Um, But I I mean, we've talked about this so many times, but it doesn't hurt to keep talking about it. These are not anomalies. You know, this is a a consequence, a result of long-term change right. to our environment as a result of 
human behavior. Yep. And so should we just get used to this, do you think? I don't know. I think at this point, unless something drastic happens or we drastically change our behaviors, probably this is kind of going to be like how it is. Just like crazy intense winters and hurricanes wildfires and all fires. summer. Yeah. And hurricanes, like crazy hurricanes and tsunamis all the time. Life like, will be exciting. Huh, that's one way to phrase it. <laughs> but also like terrifying. Yeah. I I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we don't really have a choice. It's kind of here. Yeah, I'm. I remember. I don't know. Maybe ten years ago, someone saying, "You know, climate change is real. There's going to be crazy, deadly effects, like increased um, natural disasters." I'm right. like, what does that mean? How do we even tell if the natural disasters are increasing? I feel like yeah. I can tell. Now you know that the natural <laughs> disasters are increasing. Yeah. I mean, I I've not as I've not necessarily like looked at a longitudinal study, right? And to be fair, like a five year history, if you're comparing like the last five years to the last two hundred, right? It's not technically a lot of data, but just anecdotally, it feels like things are getting more intense. Right. And at that point, like if it's just anecdotal and your perception, it's really bad because right. you really only start noticing it when it's like really bad. <laughs> yeah. So. But like, think about it. This whole summer, yeah, so far, there this, hasn't been a week without something, right? And like, at least where we live, it's pretty much always smoky. Yeah, not even from fires near us, right? Just from fires, other places in our country, right? That are so intense that it's just like wafting hundreds right. of miles. Yeah, and it's been one of the hottest summers like on record, pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Oh no. Well. Oh no. Just a reminder to fight climate change. Oh no. <laughs> Compost everyone. Recycle, uh, I don't know, do something. something. Turn off your lights when you're not using them. Um, <laughs> take short showers. Uh, vote for people who want to fight climate yeah. change. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to take long showers cuz it doesn't matter that much. <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible attitude. <laughs> You also probably then shouldn't recycle because it might not matter that much. I think terribly enough, because we do have recycling bins at our condo, but I think I've seen them just like take them and dump them into the dumpster when they come and pick up the sure. trash. I mean, on our list of things to potentially talk about on this episode, on this podcast is does recycling matter or right. do the people that we think recycle actually do right? Like actually Are do they anything? Just charging you hundred bucks a month to throw it in the trash? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. That's depressing. Um, <laughs> we need some alcohol for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a big controversial topic. Yeah. Though. Like, oh man, that would be fun, but also scary right. to like actually get into. And I think it varies by area. Too. Right. I don't think we could say the whole wide world doesn't right. recycle. Yeah. Or like it doesn't matter for everyone. Yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, wow. let's uh, talk about some less deep and research topics. Okay, great. Um, so I'm going to convince you of something today because I feel Are like I've though? been on a hot streak recently. Okay, of convincing. Good luck. Um. Uh. So this is inspired by Josiah. Um, shout out to Josiah. Shout out to you, Josiah. I know you listen. Um. And it's going to be kind of a, first I'm going to convince you, and then whether or not I convince you, we're going to talk about like long-term projects that you can work on as as a person. As a person. Um, as a person. Okay. So I'm going to convince you today to buy a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, now I understand why this is inspired by Josiah. Yeah. So um, our friend Josiah is buying a Jeep, like as we speak. Um, really? Yeah. So we've. I went with. I mean, him. I knew that he was kind of doing it, but yeah. tell me more. Yeah. So I went with him the other day because his wife has a friend who, I think she works with, who had a Wrangler and was driving it one day and it started smoking and so she just like drove it home and parked it and bought a new car without even like looking into it. She didn't want to look into it. She didn't want to like deal with the hassle. Didn't even like take it to a mechanic nope. or anything? No, so she just like gave up on it. Wow. I wish I had that lifestyle. Right. <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> so um, so she's like trying to get rid of this Jeep then. She was telling uh, Joe's wife about it. And um, so we go and look at it just like because he's been wanting a Jeep for a while and we figured like, hey, let's at least look at it if she's going to sell it for cheap because she thinks it's broken. And so we looked at it, and it basically, like, we think what had happened is the, like, lid for the coolant reservoir was missing. It had broken off. And so we think most of the coolant had, like, evaporated out. And then when she drove it, there was not enough coolant to keep the engine cold. And so it made the coolant boil over. And so it was, like, steaming super intensely. And so we think it was just that. That's what caused the, like, quote-unquote smoke. Okay. Um, And it's not, like, it's not in good cosmetic condition at all. Like, it's got like duct you know duct tape on parts of it for some reason and there's stickers all over it and um you know it's it looks like a jeep it's been kind of like beat up and kind of cool stuff everywhere so it's like if there's a car to look like that yeah it's a jeep. it's a jeep totally um and then it's obviously it hasn't been well maintained necessarily either like there was no coolant in the engine the transfer case feels mushy like the fluid needs to be changed so there's lots of like there's a lot of work that needs to be done on it. Tires are bald, just all this stuff. So it's not like a car that you would buy now and change the oil in and then drive it for, you know, 50,000 miles. Like it does need a lot of work. Uh Um, But she was only asking $4,500 for it, which sounds like a lot, but for a Jeep, that's nothing. And so we went and looked at it. You know, we put a little bit of coolant in it. We turned it on. It wasn't overheating anymore. We kind of checked it out. All of the important stuff, like the motor and the transmission and the frame are fine. And so we're talking about it, you know, at the car and I'm like, yeah, I think like it's a good deal. I think it needs a lot of work. So I would try to talk her down a little bit. And we were kind of talking about like what numbers we both thought were fair. And I told him like, hey, like what I would do is I would just offer her like three grand right now, like as a super low ball. And if she takes it, like you've saved 1500 bucks already, you can just throw into parts or whatever. And he's like, okay, well, I'll talk to Abby and then we'll see like what we want to do about it. And so... I went back to the car and let them talk about like prices and whatever. And he came to the car and he's like, yeah, she took three grand for it. So we got this like steal of a Jeep because you can't get a Wrangler, even like a like mid nineties one for under 10 grand right now. Mm. And so we got a super steal, even though it needs a lot of work. Um, and so he's going through the process now, but he's going to have a Jeep hopefully this week, which All is right. really exciting. So congrats, Joe. Um, mazel. Mazel tov. But it got me thinking about how like there's a big segment of people who are into projects. And so his mindset isn't to have a a daily driver immediately to have a reliable car that he can just like not worry about. His mindset is he's going to keep driving the car he has now for a while. And he's going to put a lot of work into like getting the Jeep to a place where it's like really nice and reliable and like fixed up and stuff Um, to the point of like, he's planning on not driving it until next spring probably and just spending this whole fall and winter replacing parts and getting it into like working order which like 
to me sounds pretty fun. It's like, oh, you can basically kind of restore this Jeep that's kind of trashed and it's old and it needs maintenance and stuff like that. And just, you know, you got a good deal on it so you can put money into making it really nice and customizing it exactly how you want and getting it all like brand new parts, knowing it's going to work for a long time. Um, so my first order of business today is I'm going to convince you to also buy a Jeep because <laughs> all of your friends have Jeeps now. So you pretty much have to buy one if you want to partake in activities. <laughs> well, here's my question. If all of my friends have Jeeps, uh-huh. why do I need a Jeep? Well, you might know that Jeeps are very small. Yeah, they have one other seat, though. <laughs> yeah, but if we're going camping, then that seat's going to be full, um, especially if we go camping with our wives, because we were talking about this. So Emily and I went camping once with another couple. Wives. wives. <laughs> um, Emily and I went camping with another couple once, and we had... The two of us and the two of them and all of our camping gear and all of their camping gear. And it was like super tight. We had the back seat in. So the four of us were sitting down and then we had like tents and chairs and stuff jammed into the tiny little trunk. And we had like stuff in the console and we had stuff in the passenger side footwell. And we had tents strapped to the roof. There were chairs strapped to the roof. We ended up having to strap all of our bags on top of the tent on the roof with like ratchet straps because they just didn't fit anywhere in the car. Mm. And so we ended up being this like 15 foot tall, like ratchet strapped pile like a of goofy gear. Movie. Yeah, going down the highway pretty much. <laughs> That's funny. And then we get to the trail and it was so heavy because there's four of us and all our gear in it that we were like bottoming out the suspension like on the dirt roads. And so we swore again to never like go with more than two people in gear in the Jeep. So if, you know, if we want to double date camping, you you need a Jeep because our Jeep's full. So alternatively, uh-huh. we could just take a newer car that can carry more people and a heavier load. Mm-hmm. Like like a newer Subaru. Right. That pr- can't like traverse crazy mountain roads but in your story you weren't doesn't sound like you were trying to like do those intense mountain roads oh we did well you you did did, but i made successfully i made everyone else get out and walk next to the jeep because we were too heavy to like move the suspension but yeah the our favorite campsite isn't far from here but it's down this like super intense road so there's a huge rock where you like have to have a decent amount of clearance to go over it. And then there's a dip that's like probably, it kind of reminds me of like a dirt bike, like a motocross track almost. So there's like the big rock and then immediately after there's like a two foot dip in the ground. And so you need a Jeep to get over that. And then there's another section where it gets to a really steep grade and it's just like slate all the way down. And so if you don't have like four wheel drive, you're screwed pretty much. Um, and that's our favorite campsite. But you would there's no way to be able to get to it in like a forester or a subaru of any kind really um now i would say that i would i would be okay with you getting a different vehicle that could handle that like maybe you could get a forerunner or like an xterra or like something like that but i do think you need some sort of like rugged utilitarian off-roading vehicle it doesn't have to be a jeep necessarily i'll expand it um how many miles to the gallon does your jeep get um in the city <laughs> yes. it's like 13 With, yeah and compare okay how many miles or how many hours 
let's say out of 10 hours of driving, sure. how many of those on average do you spend driving in the city versus do you spend doing like stuff that only a Jeep could do? Oh, compared to like off-roading, on it's average. like nine and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and I'm not... I would say more. I'm not necessarily saying you have to buy it as a daily driver. You already have a daily driver. I'm saying you buy this as a second car, <laughs> as a weekend car. You can have the top off all the time, drive up to the mountains, go camping, get into the places where you can't get any other way with stuff that you couldn't carry. Hmm... I would p- consider that scenario, uh-huh. but it would be like the 30th extraneous purchase I make after I have no financial worries. Hmm. And I honestly don't know if I will ever get to that place in life. <laughs> That's the dream, you know? really. Yeah. Like, I don't really ever see myself being a person that owns more than one car. Okay. Because I don't care about cars. Right. And... I personally, I can only speak for myself. I think that owning more than one car is kind of frivolous and maybe even irresponsible. Right. I'll say it. Um, So I think you're going to have a tough time convincing me, but let's say for the sake of this argument, (laughs) I bought a Jeep. Uh Continue on with your persuasion. Okay. Well, Hypothetically, I mean, say you found a deal like Joe did for a Jeep that's like $3,000. And in the same shape? Uh, yes, but let's say hypothetically all of your good friends will fix it for you and you don't have to worry about that. Okay. Um, $3,000 is less than the taxes on most new cars. Yeah. So that's a pretty steal of a deal. I, yeah, I agree. Um, it is a great deal. Yeah. So we'll go we'll go down that route. Let's say you find like a Forerunner or an Xterra or a Jeep or something off-roady. It could even be like in just an older pickup truck or something. But something that has like good suspension, lots of body clearance, four-wheel drive for super cheap. Then, okay, you've been backpacking. We've talked about backpacking a lot on the show and, sure. you know, discussed how fun it is and stuff. And you've also maybe been like glamping where you like... Roll up in a van yeah, and you have uh, all your stuff. I have gone, we'll call it camping, with an RV one time. Yeah. And I didn't even have that much fun. Right. Because it's, it's not. like Especially being at like RV parks and yeah. campsites, they're not fun at all. So I feel like having a, an off-road vehicle is kind of the best of both worlds. Because you can go to places that are remote enough that you could only typically get to like backpacking or horseback riding or whatever. But you get all of the like luxuries of glamping. And I I will, I'm not going to say like backpacking sucks. You should always like have lots of nice stuff because there is a place for backpacking. Like there's times when it's nice to just be like, have everything you need on your back and you're like detached from luxury and you just like, have to make things work and you have everything planned and it's just like this rugged, like relying on only yourself to do things experience. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily call that like a vacation or a relaxing experience. Like it's fun and challenging and exciting. But if I wanted to like relax for a week and just get away from work and just like decompress, I wouldn't go backpacking because it's so much planning. There's so much like kind of stress. You have to 
ration everything you have and it's a lot of hard physical work. But I don't think it can be argued that there's any places more beautiful than the places you can hike to. Like some of those backcountry like streams and waterfalls and peaks and mountains and valleys are gorgeous. Um, And so with having like a Jeep or whatever vehicle, you get the best of both of those worlds because you can go to those remote places and see those like gorgeous, difficult to get to areas. And then you can pull out your full size camp stove and you can cook a steak and you can like open a bottle of wine and you can smoke a cigar and you can go up in your rooftop tent and you can lay down on a plush three inch memory foam mattress and look at the stars through the roof. And you can have a hot shower in the morning if you want to, because you can install a solar shower on your car and, it just opens up the best of both worlds, in my opinions. I won't lie and say that that doesn't sound awesome. Yeah. And that I won't, I wouldn't like to do that. I just don't know that I can like justify buying a vehicle to yeah. do that. Mm. And like saying, okay, well, I've got my daily driver and my partner's daily driver. Right. But I've also got my fun car, so I need a three-car garage now. Or mm. I need to always have my car parked on the street right. if that's allowed. Right. Or I need to like get a third parking permit. Right. Or I need to keep it somewhere else all the time. Like, it, like, it just is like that is a big thing yeah. to deal with in your life to use it eight times a year if right. you're good about using it i think it is very situational because there are instances where like if you have a house or you've got more land or you've got like depending on your living situation it wouldn't be a big inconvenience to like store it and if you buy it for cheap and you barely drive it it's not going to cost much to maintain or insure it and if you use it every other weekend then you're using it enough to make it worth it so i think it is very situational and it depends on it's a lifestyle purchase is what it is you kind of want to make it around your lifestyle and you're kind of gearing yourself for a specific lifestyle Mm -hmm. to make it like a reasonable purchase, I think. Um, But I mean, compared to like a sports car as a fun car, a Jeep is much more reasonable. Absolutely. I would, I was, I would much, I would, I would never buy a sports car. I have no utility or reason for that. Right. So yes, I would, there is a, there is a future in which I buy a Jeep. Um, it's just like my dream car. I don't even know what it is, but it is one that is efficient and as low maintenance as possible uh-huh. and uses as little gas as possible. So like a Tesla. Probably. Yeah. And a Jeep, the what you're describing is so different from that. Right. Because I don't like working on cars. Right. I don't like dealing with their issues. Right. And... I'm not like, I don't, I don't, that's not like my vibe, right. you know? Yeah. So the less I can like have multiple cars and have to deal with them right. and like do this to this one and do that for that one and have this one for that purpose and have to equip it with this and work on that for that and the, the better, you right. know? So I would ideally like to never have to think about my car ever. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's a thought experiment for you because there already is a 
plug-in electric hybrid Jeep. Um, it just came out this year, and it's just a it's a hybrid motor, so it's got like a small gas engine, and then it's got a like 50 mile range battery pack and electric motor and it plugs in so you can plug it in every night when you're driving city and you never touch the gas motor you're just always on the electric motor and then when you do go over that 50 miles the gas motor will kick on to recharge the batteries in the hybrid motor um and it's not fully to that point yet obviously you still have honestly more complexity because not only are you maintaining the gas part of the engine you're also having to maintain the electric Mm -hmm. side but it's a step in that direction, and it's showing that like Jeep as a brand is moving towards the electric car market, which I think every manufacturer is at this point. Sure. So hypothetically, say in 15 years when you're more financially stable and there's a fully electric Jeep, is that a more appealing perspective? Because Teslas are great, but they're not like the ultimate never have to worry about a car. Maintenance-wise, yes, but what if it snows? Like. The sure. Tesla's not going to be good. Or what if you need a lot of cargo space? Not going to yeah. be good. Yeah, I think... I mean, it's difficult. There's no perfect car, yeah. you know? Um, I think I have to think g- generally about what I use the car for most. Right. And 98% of the time is just to get me around. Right. From regular place to regular place. Totally. And so it's hard to make a big change to the decision factor right. based on that other 2%. Right. Whether that be like carrying a big piece of furniture right. or wanting to like go somewhere crazy in the mountains right. or when it's like a full-fledged blizzard and you for some reason need to drive more than 20 miles an hour. Totally. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I would agree like there's... Very few opportunities when you need to like plan for the two percent. Like you can typically rent or borrow or figure out a different s- circumstance for whatever situation that two percent is. Um, but I mean, hypothetically, at this point, if it's fully electric, there's no downsides from having it as a daily driver compared to like a Tesla. Nah, no. Yeah. Except for the whole like Jeep guy vibe. Right. <laughs> so it's an appearance that's, issue that's at that kind point. Of a downside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. Okay. Well, now the majority of my friends here are like Jeep I, guys. I know. So Watch I got to really re- get excommunicated. <laughs> I know. I got to really think about my friends at this point. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Riley's uh, getting new friends. <laughs> uh, oh, I just man. need to make friends with someone who has a Tesla. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> My neighbor does, but he's I'm, probably I'm not with old. Them. He's like in his forties. Yeah, but it's it's bright cherry red. Right, even the rims are bright cherry red. Is it a model like the SUV one, not the sedan? Um, yes, I saw that. It is hideous it <laughs> yeah. is a horrifying car it's terrible. oh my gosh Good oh night. my gosh it matches the rest of their house their their house is so is it the people we hate with the bright lights yes oh my gosh yes <laughs> their house is inside it is the gaudiest place you've ever seen in your whole life oh yeah man. it's those same people Good night. oh yeah. it makes sense i saw that car the other day on 20th and i was like this is the worst car i've ever seen in my life <laughs> it all comes full circle yeah yeah Okay, well, I'm going to conclude this conversation by saying 
I was partially successful and I got a you maybe. Think? Yeah. <laughs> because I had some alternate universe where I kind of decided that I you might buy a second car. You said there was a future car. where you could see this happening. That's a maybe. Yeah. It's a future where everything is <laughs> like less bleak than I feel that it is right now. <laughs> oh, okay. And we have the like freedom and like grace to buy more than one car. Yes. We'll get there. Anyway. We're not millennials. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so leading into the other topic um, that the Jeep brought on was the idea of like a long-term big project. And so the Jeep was one example. Like this is something that Josiah is going to pour, you know, months of his life into like working on and it's going to be like his baby kind of. Um, cute. Yeah, cute little Jeep baby. <laughs> is um, he going to name it, do you think? Good question. He never named his truck, so mm. I don't know. I never really named my Jeep either. I just call it the Jeep. It's not very creative. It's not a very good name. Um, but anyway, I, I wanted to talk about the idea of like that long-term project because for a lot of people, it's like you know cars or a boat or I don't even know what else. Like paint a giant painting, like <laughs> the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> um, You're talking about one thing. Like yeah, creating like, one thing. Yeah, not like a, this isn't like hobby. a hobby. This okay. is like working on one one thing for a long period of time. Hmm. Um, I wanted to see if you had any thoughts about something that could be a long-term hobby for you. Not hobby, sorry, project for you. Or like, are there any areas that you could see yourself getting sucked into that? Oh, sure. Um, well, I'm going to have to maybe think out loud for a minute here and delineate between hobbies and projects right. because the first thing that came to my mind was the garden. I mean, I've done that right. the whole summer, but I think that might be more of a hobby than a, you could call it a project. I think it's a project. I mean, I started it and, you know, got it ready for planting and like took all the weeds out and yeah. got the soil ready and yeah. planted the seeds and watered them and started to harvest. And now I'm, I'm taking care of it and kind of now it's winding down, and right. that was a project for yeah. several months. Yeah, I would definitely consider that a project. Um, there's definitely elements of music that I wish mm -hmm. I had more, um, just like intrinsic motivation to make into projects rather than hobbies. Right. Um, but not, uh, I mean so much of like my longing for a project is kind of tied to other people, I think. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is it's hard for me to stay tied to something and motivated to do something when it's just me. Right. Staying motivated to do it and no one else expects me to complete right. it and no one else knows that I'm doing it. No one else cares if it gets done or not. Right. And there's no like deadlines to meet or expectations to be upheld or anything right. like that. I'm sure some people don't like it when there's expectations with anything that doesn't need an expectation. But for me, it's actually kind of helpful. Right. For example, I like put myself in piano lessons in college when I didn't even need to be just because I knew that I wouldn't practice piano if I wasn't going to a lesson every week. Right. And like having a teacher say, did you practice? Right. I can tell that you didn't. Right. You know? Um, so 
a project I think would need to be in some way associated with another person. Sure. Whether that be like the garden, my parents knew that I was doing the garden and they could see if I was like keeping up with it. Right. Or uh, if I was like writing an EP, right. I would need either someone like to work on it with me or to expect it to be done mm-hmm. or want to hear it or something like right. that. I don't know. Um, but projects in that way, because they are like the, by definition kind of larger. Yeah. I think for me, they need a little bit of purpose behind them. Right. I can definitely get on board with that. I think anytime I think of a big project, I always think about like doing it with friends. You know, it doesn't sound fun to me to like lock myself away for months and like do one thing by myself and then, you know, that's it. Um, But it does sound fun to like lock myself away and work on something for months with a friend and like have that be like our thing for a long time. Um, like this podcast. Yeah, hey. this, pod, this podcast is definitely a <laughs> this project. This is definitely a project. Um, my like dream project that is probably not realistic at all is to build a helicopter. <laughs> um, that's hilarious and so you. Yeah. So that's my dream. You can buy kits online for like 50 grand and really? just, like build little like single person helicopters. Um, and I like contemplate that like as an old retired person when I don't have anything else to do and I've quit my job but I didn't want to quit my job because I'm bored I've contemplated like maybe I'll just rent a hangar and build a helicopter or like do one of those super intense projects and like have all my friends come out and like help me with it and like then we can like finish it and we can fly around and I might let people fly it as long as they don't kill themselves in it it's so hard to fly a helicopter well these ones aren't like a full on helicopter they're like a uh like an ultralight aircraft with a uh-huh. propeller blade on top. So they can vertical take off, but then they mostly fly like a plane where it would have like a propeller on the back too. So it's kind of like a propeller on the back, propeller on the top. Flies like a plane, like going forward, not hovering, but you can take off vertically and land vertically. Interesting. Um, but they're supposedly, you don't even need a license to fly them. They're really? like really easy to fly apparently. Um so that's kind of like one of my dreams and that would be a big, like that's going to be, you know, minimum like two or three years if I was working on it full time. Um, Cause it's such a complex thing and there's so much like research you have to do and so many parts you have to make sure are perfect cause you're going to fly in it <laughs> above the ground. Put, literally put your life on the line. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a big project to me. The Jeep's another one. Like I'd love to build the Jeep to be like super cool for camping and off-roading and like have all the stuff, like have an awning built in and solar panels and like the shower and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And you've also said that you want that Jeep to last till you're like 80. Yeah. So that could be another good retirement project. We'll so see. That's quite an aspiration. Yeah. Um, but I think like I just kind of get on board with the idea of projects really well. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like doing just like one thing one time and then being done with it. Like I'd love to do like a huge intense thing. And just like get into the like depths of a, a field or hobby or whatever, and just like do a big, huge thing, um, which I think is a positive in some aspects and a negative in other aspects. Because I kind of get tired of doing like routine, long-term things that are just like not one thing, but doing the same thing over and over again. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like, I, if I were, you know working on different cars over and over again that might get boring but if i'm working on one car and making it like perfect 
that's kind of my sweet spot, I think. Um, but I think like I do resonate with that idea of it has to be like a social thing to be worthwhile. It has to have either people helping you with it or people to kind of receive it when it's done or people to interact with it with you. Otherwise, like why, (laughs) you know? Right. So, yeah, but this podcast is a good project. I've been having fun on this project so far. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's difficult to find something that can be consistent, but also like fits into your life. Yeah. But is also something that can be something that works for months or mm-hmm. years as a right. project. I think that's why ca- so many people get into cars because yeah. it can just be kind of like in your house right. and you can work on it when you have time and it right. doesn't like deteriorate really. Totally. If you skip working on it for like a couple of weeks. Right. Um, if you get busy or you lose interest for a couple of weeks or you get stuck or bored or whatever. Um, while you were talking, I thought of something else I've been watching like coding videos, Uh specifically video game coding videos. Uh And that would be a really fun big project is to to write a game, write a game, like code a video game. Cause that is a huge project. Uh Um, and I have no idea how to do it. Right. Zero skills right. in that field of absolutely none. But that would be kind of fun. It's yeah. just like have an idea like, oh, it'd be a fun game to do this and this. Right. And just figure it out. Yeah. So when you say like write a game, do you mean like tic-tac-toe or like Halo? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in between. Okay. <laughs> like one of those like Flappy Bird type games. Uh, I mean, I could probably figure that out in a month or two. Yeah. If after, like starting from scratch. Yeah. Okay. So maybe more like, uh, hmm, like Mario Kart on the NES, like old Mario Kart from yeah. the nineties. I would probably start with something two D. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. Cool. Sweet. I could I could get on board with that. <laughs> the downside with like doing video game stuff is, if you do want to do it all by yourself, you have to know like coding. And also like art design so you can like make the models right. and also sound design so you can make like the sounds and also like world creation. Uh-huh. And like script writing yeah. if you have characters with text. Yeah. And yeah. It's a lot. You become a master at a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> I'd play your game no matter what it is, <laughs> even if it was tic-tac-toe. Okay. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. I probably won't. Okay. Maybe if you have a week off sometime with nothing better to do, which, <laughs> when will that happen? That sounds you could unlikely. program a tic-tac-toe and at least have that under your belt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think that's going to do it for today. Thank you for listening to I Heard It on a Podcast. We've got new episodes every Monday and Wednesday that you can find wherever you get podcasts. If you liked what you heard today and know someone else who wants to buy a Jeep, send this podcast their way. As always, you can reach us at I Heard It on a Podcast at gmail.com. Have you ever heard of Stardew Valley? Yes. The game? Yeah. Um, the guy who made it, uh-huh. it did it completely all by himself. Really? Yeah. It's a it good took game, him like, too. Yeah, it is. And it's very rich and complex uh-huh. and detailed. It took him like eight years Dang. to do it. He did everything. The pixel art, right. the sound design, coding, everything. But I'm sure like he made the